Welcome to the Penny and Pops podcast. He's Spencer Penny Strode. I'm Adam Pops Papa Giorgio. That wait wasn't too bad, right? Miami got denied the championship, and it's now NBA draft week. Last year, we had the number one pick. We controlled the board. Now, at 6, 11, and 36, on top of figuring out which players you like or which veterans you'd rather trade for, there's this chessboard dance of figuring out what the other teams should or are doing. There are already smoke screens galore, just from everywhere. The Magic, because of their cap flexibility and draft picks, are linked to everyone and everything. This is where the front office earns its money. Let's go! Hardaway, straight down the lane, the power jam! Point guard on the 7 6 guy. Here's Lewis turning and he shoots. Yes! Here's Kirkaloo for the win. All right, we are recording this Monday evening, June 19th. All right, let's just dive into things here, Penny. Uh, The Magic recently released the uh, 35th anniversary logo, which uh, debuted actually today uh, at Jeff Weltman's uh, pre-draft presser. But uh, I'd say it's similar to the 30th anniversary logo, which was also good. Um, So I'm a fan of this 35th anniversary logo. It's got some... Retro feel to it with the stars and the stripes and the old ball logo a little bit there. Um, Penny, what do you think of the uh, anniversary logo? Uh, 35 is not bad. I think 30 and 35 are both a little more streamlined. Obviously, 20th was the best one. Uh, I'm certainly propelled our uh, finals run, I'm sure. Um, I thought 20 and 25 are the best anniversary logos that we've had, but uh, yeah, 35 similar to 30, get a little more corporate presented by Advent Health on this one, but uh, we've seen worse logos for other teams and and even uh, in our past, so pretty good for this year to play with it. I actually don't, now looking back, I don't really care much for the 20th and 25th anniversary. They're uh... too much going on. No, I actually, they're kind of plain, actually. I think the 30th and 35th are actually more exciting, but that's that's my opinion. But uh, I actually have a lapel pin of the 15th anniversary. So it's got that one's got the uh, the more modernized ball logo. And uh, that one's nice. Um, But yeah, no, I I like the direction that they went with the with the with these uh, both the 30th and the 35th. I don't know, man. I'm a font guy. Like the 20th and even the 25th, it's just kind of static almost a little bit. Um, 20th is a little funkier because it's it 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 does really remind you of the 09 team a ton. So, but um, yeah, um, I'm gonna be stunned if we don't get a throwback jersey this season. All signs point to we are gonna get some type of Magic throwback jersey. Magic fan Omar, who usually gets the inside track on all of our jersey wardrobe selections going into each season tweeted out basically saying that we're getting the blue star jerseys as our throwback which were the uh most famous during the mcgrady era even though penny hardaway warm is last year in orlando but they're most famous for for the t-mac era um 
it's going to be interesting to see how Nike kind of modernizes these because the material over two decades ago was way heavier back then, way baggier. They sucked, it sucked up a ton of sweat terribly as Sean Kemp and Patrick Ewing can attest to. So, um, a modern look to those stars actually could be really nice. Now it could mess it up because Nike sucks a lot, but, um, there's some promise there, but I, I don't know, Penny. What's your thoughts on the blue uh, on the blue stars? Yeah, the the dazzle material did no favors to heavy sweaters for sure. Um, I I'm excited to see them again, and my hope is that there is a little modernization of it uh, to bring it into 2023. But um, you know, obviously pinstripes are, you know, the, the retro pinstripes stand head and shoulders above the rest, but, um, star Jersey is pretty cool too. Um, looking forward to seeing them again. I think Palo will look great in the blue one. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I, I, hopefully with a kind of a, a less baggy, more modernized kind of cut to them or tailoring to them, they're going to look nicer. So we'll find out, but obviously we all prefer the, you know, the mid nineties pinstripes the best, but you know, we're not getting those yet. Maybe when we do the rebrand, the entire rebrand, hopefully next summer that we'll get them back permanently. But um, yeah, we'll see how this goes. So uh, Paolo Bencaro's had a pretty nice off season so far. Uh, you know, last, last we left him, he was at the, you know, the Miami F1 Grand Prix race, but you know, he made the cover of Slam Magazine wearing some supersized Jinko George so, 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 that I... Speaking of baggy. Yeah, um, which I approve of those George because I used to wear, wear George all the time when I was in middle school. But um, never Jankos, just just George in general. But uh, it, it's it's cool because I think uh, Paolo, it, like Paolo being on the cover of a major magazine like Slam in the U.S., I think he's the first magic player to be on such a cover since Dwight Howard. It, it's been a while, but, uh, Can I ask you a stupid question. I obviously, I know sure. you have the, the Franz, uh, cover, uh, magazine cover. Um, is, is slams, are we, are they still actually printing hard copy magazines or is it digital only? Now? I think it's, well, actually, no, I think they are still printing them, but what they're doing is, um, obviously and all, all magazines kind of do this now where they have the store where you can buy the hard covers, the, the actual hard magazine, but yeah. I don't know. That's a good question. I could have sworn they were still, uh, doing, uh, subscriptions, uh, physical subscriptions, but, um, that's a good question. I have no idea, but yeah, the, the Franz, uh, next, uh, Wunderkind, uh, German basket magazine cover was, uh, was really great last year. Um, you know, but this one for, for a for Paolo, for a magic player beyond the cover of American basketball sports magazine is, uh, is pretty great. So, but, um, it is funny seeing people keep freaking out about him supporting Seattle, whether it be at a Mariners game or him wearing an actual Sonics Jersey and some of the slam magazine photos. I, I don't care. Like, They'll they there's not going to be an announcement for expansion teams until 2026, and then I think you got to add another year or two to that. I think before uh, that they would even exist. But Seattle definitely deserves their NBA team back. And you know what? Hopefully the Magic have an NBA title by then anyway, and it won't matter. So, but um, 
Well, the dirty secret is that a lot of players don't want to play in their hometown for various reasons. And, and the other thing is, if he, yes, Seattle's deserving of a team. They have a, the arena to take one back now. Um, if he does want to go there, then uh, more power to him, too. And hopefully we get a lot of good years uh, together before anything like that happens. Yeah, for sure, man. Um, Paolo was at game three and game four in Miami for, uh, the NBA finals. He, uh, he did some media coverage stuff, which, uh, that's cool to get under your belt. And, uh, you know, it, it definitely, uh, drives hunger into a young player seeing being at a finals. Cause it's very different from regular season. It's very different from just standard playoff games. Like finals, it just, it, the stage is elevated. Like the spotlight's elevated. Like it, it's, it's a different thing. And it was actually cool for him to experience it that, like that. Um, Paolo had also made it out to Italy for the first time in his life. Very recently. I think right now, I think literally today he did, a, he, he was in Monaco and then he went to Cannes. I think he did like a Taylor Rooks interview, which I'm curious what that's all about, but um, that's going on today. That, that went on today, I think, or yesterday, but um, you know, Paolo making it out to Italy for the first time. It looks like he's having a blast, which is great. I'm still hoping that if it's a 50-50 decision between picking Team USA or, or Italy for a FIBA national team duty, like I hope he picks Italy then in that instance. Um, it seems like he's not going to play for anybody this summer. Like I think he's just trying to gear up for his sophomore NBA season, but uh, with then his eyes on the Paris Olympics the year after in 2024. But um if he plays for Italy this summer and the NBA switches to a different all-star game format, go, you know, switching to say USA versus the world, I think Paolo would actually have a pretty good chance of being an all-star uh, on team world as, as a sophomore, but uh, any Paolo thoughts, Penny? Um, like, well, a, a Paolo question for you. Yeah, go is, for it. Uh, we're in terms of commercial actor ranking for Gran Turismo spot. Do you is he first, second, or third with Boban and Zach Levine? How, how, what would you think of that campaign? Well, first off, he's twenty. Like the other two guys have a lot more acting experience. Like especially Boban. Like can we, can we, I mean, who who can hate Boban? Boban's first, right? Uh, by far. Also, I think the 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 spots they had for Palo specific didn't do him any favors either. No, that and we have our shitty logo on the on the race <laughs> jerseys as well. Like if we had like a retro jersey, that would have went a lot better because like you're yeah. comparing our crappy modern logo with a timeless Chicago Bulls classic jersey. And then Boban's on the Clippers, right? Still technically. Or did I get the team wrong? Uh, Houston most recently. Oh, it is a Houston logo. See, I yeah, like. Whatever Houston's logo's meh, but like you know, Palo's sitting in between Zach uh, Levine and Boban in the commercial, and there's a reason why they cut away so much is because the damn Magic logo looks terrible. But <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, that's why. <laughs> but I think he's doing fine. Like he's, it, it's fine. He's not bad. He's, he's not he's great. Getting his reps in. Yeah. Like he's getting plenty of reps. Like he's, he's gonna only get better and better. And he's by all accounts a good guy. Um. And yeah, I'm sure he'll get more and more roles as, uh, you know, once he becomes an all-star and once he gets more of kind of a national and global appeal, but joining the Italian national team helps with the global part. That's, you know, he's getting a good taste of that now touring Italy. And uh, 
we're gonna see how how that plays out. It'd be I'd really like him to make a decision now before Grand Hill really tries to tempt him with a team USA offer. But like I said, like if he wants if it's 50-50, then I think he should pick Italy. Like if he really wants to play for Team USA, then obviously play for the team you want to play for. But you know, there's no you can't take it back. Like once you decide like this is it for the next 18, 20 years or whatever, you know, depending on how much you want to play. But um yeah, it's uh yeah, I'll I'll leave it at that with Paolo, but um let's talk NBA finals. So former Magic men, Ish Smith, Jeff Green, and Aaron Gordon are NBA champions. Uh Kyle Lowry had to watch AG get the last laugh on him. Uh so it's just very nice to see the Heat get denied again. Um I know they have three championships. We have none, but the Heat have lost quite a fair share of finals now in their franchise history. So it's nice to add another defeat to that t- tally, but um, from a national perspective, coverage-wise of Aaron Gordon, like there's nothing that AG has done in Denver that he didn't do in Orlando. Like, to put in a context, you know, Aaron was the fourth pick in that twenty was it twenty fourteen draft. Um, he was one pick behind Embiid, and I'm sure that still hangs in the back of like Rob Hennigan's and a lot of folks' heads that we were one pick away from getting Embiid. Um, we rightfully all had big expectations for Gordon. Cause I mean, you, you be, if you're a top five pick, like you, you, there should be high expectations. The worst thing in his magic development that happened was, and you know, getting that foot injury early on in his career didn't help him, but really from a development perspective was just all the coaching carousel stuff. And then just the lack of overall talent uh, that Rob Hennigan provided with the roster, like Vooch shouldn't have been a number one option. AG and Fournier, they shouldn't have been second or third options. Like they, they couldn't do it. Now we didn't know that at the time for certain, but we eventually found that out. Um, the other bad thing that happened was Frank Vogel. Frank Vogel said that Aaron Gordon should have strived to be Paul George instead of say, you know, a Sean Marion type that I preached forever that he's doing now in Denver as a fourth or fifth option. And you know, AG was our best overall player in the 2019 Raptor series. Like, if you watch that Raptor series in 19, like, overall, AG was our best guy on both ends. Vooch, Fournier, Ross were just all bad in that series. But you got Aaron defending Kawhi and Pascal Siakam well, and then he still got his points. Um, you know, he had to do a lot more chucking with us than he did with Denver. But, you know, we met, we badly missed Aaron in the 2020 Buck series because. Kyle Lowry took him out in the bubble. He hurt, he injured him. And then our team never could get or stay healthy from there. And then the sell-off happened. So did he end up publicly saying he wanted to be traded a week before it happened? Yeah, but I, I don't hold much spite when it seems like the sell-off was happening anyway. Like once that Vooch domino looked like it was going to fall, then, then the rest were, were going to fall. But, um, the other thing is too that AG wouldn't have accepted being a fourth option had he stayed in Orlando. Like there's just no way. But with Michael yeah. Malone, co- you know, a brilliant head coach, and with a phenomenal championship parade, just binge that Michael Malone went on. That guy was awesome. But you know, playing alongside Jokic and Jamal Murray and just that Nuggets team as a whole, like AG sacrificed shots and touches, and he was still the series X factor overall. Like he was more important than Michael Porter Jr. at the end of the day, and you know. I, I'm more happy that Miami lost than, than say Aaron Gordon won a title. Like I don't hate that he won a title or anything like that, but like, I was just more relieved that Miami lost, but uh, Aaron, any Aaron Gordon thoughts, Penny? 
the the Aaron Gordon thing is interesting to me because again, kind of alluding to your point, he's not necessarily he's not better than he was in Orlando. His contributions are now maximized as he's playing the appropriate role and, and probably now the ceiling of what he can be, which is a contributor on a you know title team, obviously now. Um, but I don't think that it would have been possible for him to stay here and slide into that role. It had to be a change of scenery and it had to be obviously going to a place where there's a, a pecking order already established and him, you know, kind of realizing what he needed to do to, to fit in there. Uh, compare that to a case like Victor Oladipo who, who left Orlando um, again, another young player, another change of scenery, but probably figured out a better way to work efficiently, like uh, to better himself where he became a better player leaving Orlando. Um, it's just, it's interesting with Aaron Gordon, right? Like, I, I don't think, yeah, he's drafted fourth, so you have to invest a lot in him and you have to hope for the highest upside and ceiling. And certainly they gave it every opportunity and, you know, tried to unlock his potential with different coaches, as you mentioned. Um, I, I don't think there was any way to play it better here for Aaron Gordon necessarily. Um, do, you, do you think it's a missed opportunity or do you think that's just the way it works out sometimes with uh, young player development and I guess also, you know, fit and roster construction? Yeah, I mean, I, it played out how it played out. Like, it's funny. Like, I was at the the Nuggets game uh, here in Orlando that we won a few months ago where Aaron dropped 40, um, and we won the game, thankfully. But, like, he's dropped 40-point games for the Magic, too. Like, it, and he did it in a similar manner, honestly. And I mean, I, I do – like, he, he is a better passer overall because Jokic just makes everybody a better passer. And I think he is just a slightly steadier uh, spot-up shooter. Slightly. But like he he would go on these great shooting spurts and and months and, and monthly runs with the magic, too. And so but yeah, I there's not much regret. Like, could Aaron have stuck around? Was he young enough to have stuck around during the rebuild? Yeah. But at the same time, like it's almost like the the damage the franchise had done to him was permanent and he needed like a new change of scenery at that point. We'll get to it later, you know, on, on the Oladipo front. Like, I thought Fournier was a better player for us than Oladipo at the time when that trade happened. Now, some people might disagree, but there's also some revisionist history since Oladipo went on to be an all-star in Indiana eventually after after the OKC stop. But it's kind of a similar thing where, like, Oladipo wasn't going to get much better here in Orlando, and I don't think Aaron Gordon was going to get much better here anytime soon. So... It played out how it played out. Um, any other thoughts? Be it Ish well, Smith, just, Jeff I, Green. I, I yep, you go. I wouldn't even call that like a failure of our about uh, like our player development staff either. I think it's just one of those things where young players are maturing physically and emotionally and mentally, right? Like at, at different uh, rates, and you know, uh, just unfortunate. Yeah, the Fournier and Oladipo thing was. Uh, no one wanted to play small forward, so you kind of painted into a box there. Uh, Ish Smith, happy for him to win a title. Uh, seems like a good guy. Jeff Green, again, with the career arc that he had and obviously the, the heart surgery and everything. Yeah. 
a cool cap to the career. I don't know how much he actually has left. I don't think he was a net positive, certainly in the playoffs, but, um, and David Adelman too, on the, uh, on the Nuggets bench. Yeah. Um, I think there's a video guy too. Um, I can't remember. Was it, was it Clask? I can't remember his last name, but anyway, um, yeah, I'll, I'll leave it at that. Um, I'm just happy Miami didn't win the title. That's, that's all, that's all that mattered to me. Like it was, it was a ridiculous playoffs. And it honestly had Giannis did not been out with the back for two and a half games. Um, I think it's the bucks in the finals instead of Miami, but that's, that's why you play the game, you know, and it gives you a little bit more motivation for going for a play in spot. Cause Miami was a playing team that made it all the way to the finals. So, and the East is going to be up for grabs like crazy um, in the next few years here, probably. But uh, yeah. All right. Let's switch over to some Orlando media talk here because uh, Kobe Price is bouncing from the Orlando Sentinel. He's going to LA to cover the Lakers. Um, that's there's, there's so much irony with that, but um, I hope it's a good gig for him. Look, he was never going to completely fill Josh Robinson's shoes, but he, he did a good job interacting with the fan base. Like he, he did pretty, he did well. And you know, I wish him good luck. Local journalism is at an all time low. I'd say from a magic coverage perspective here, like we have no one from the athletics still. I mean, athletic might sell and fold here shortly, but um, there's no dedicated Orlando Sentinel basketball reporter for now. That might change. Uh, I know, I know Kobe price is covering the draft and then he's out. So maybe, I'm sure some type of replacement's going to come in. Um, that leaves local TV and radio uh, plus bloggers and uh, uh, and and, f- and folks on the Magic payroll is is are, are all that's left basically. So um, I don't know. It, it's for a team that's on the rise, and you've got a stud in Paolo Bencaro who came off a dominant Rookie of the Year season. Like you would hope there'd be more buzz, especially when you look at like. The Wizards, they have, you know, a couple of guys from the athletic, like all David Aldridge and Josh Robbins. And they got like, and I know DC's a bigger city, but like we, you know, there, there, there should be more coverage for the magic. And we'll see if, if that improves or not. But I don't know if you had any thoughts on that media wise, Penny. Um, I guess it speaks to the importance now of, uh, you know, the, the bloggers and the people that are, credentialed media here that are not necessarily from a, you know, a, what, what would you call it? A professional outlet um, or, yeah. you know, um, it's going to be interesting. Uh, who's going to, who's going to step in to actually ask the probing questions because there is a, a fine line, uh, as you know, when the team is credentialing you as a, you know, a blog site, essentially, yeah, you really have to, you got to navigate uh, when and where you ask what question to get anything of value. And certainly the front office specifically, not so much the coaching staff necessarily, but the front office is pretty close to the vest and tight lips. So mm-hmm. um, certainly there's a hunger for information. I don't think that goes anywhere. There's 15 podcasts on the magic specifically. So people want content. Um, interesting to see who will be able to do it in a profitable manner um, or who will continue to do it without necessarily getting compensated for it and, and maybe the, the way that they should be or, you know, what it ends up being. Yeah. The probing question thing, it's, it's a big deal. And, you know, it, it's, it's been lacking, uh, you know, since Robbins left basically. And 
I mean, that's what happens because, you know, a blogger doesn't have like a newspaper's out, you know, resources or a, a big time news media's resources. Like there's no lawyer on staff to help you out or something like there's no like th- there's no like no shield, you know, shield basically. So I get it why it'd be, it, you know, it's very intimidating to to ask probing questions. But I, I would say if you're going to be there, do the job and you'll gain respect if you know what you're doing while you're asking probing questions, but we'll see how that goes. Um, from a roster perspective, the magic, they wave Jay scrub. So we have two open uh, two way contract spots at the moment as Kevon Harris has the, has the other one, but all right. Uh, I, I have a couple Twitter questions that we'll get through the, here with the rest of the show, uh, including, you know, us talking about the draft, but before we get into the draft, there's a Twitter question from at the magic three two one or the sorry at the magician three two one. Can't read today. Um, all right, what is your favorite magic draft related memory? And I'll go first so you can think about it. But what is your favorite magic draft related memory? The lottery can count, so it doesn't have to necessarily just be the draft, but the lottery can count. So for me, look, I can think of a few. Uh, but those, you know, those especially were when I was covering the team as a blogger and being there for, for draft night coverage from a food perspective, look, the four rivers catering for, for those draft nights was pretty great. Cause you know, if you've ever covered the magic during a game, you know, they, they have their in kitchen staff, but for media draft nights, like they would do four rivers and that was pretty great. But, uh, from an actual magic perspective, look, I'm not going to forget the reaction of the room uh, by all the media members that were in there when Hennigan did the Oladipo Ibaka trade in 2016. I would have been fine with the trade had we not included the 11th pick. Um, I wanted DeMontis Sabonis, but everybody was stunned by that trade. Um, the Ibaka trade probably works out a little bit better if we didn't then sign Bismack Biombo to the gigantic contract, but um that that moment was kind of crazy. Uh, the only other thing that can that that really pops in my head was uh, I can't and I can't remember. I want to say it was draft night, but remember for the 04 draft when it was between Dwight and Okafer and nobody had a clue who the hell we were going to draft number one. Were we at Universal City Walk at the NASCAR Cafe or something like that um, for that 04 draft? Your memory is better than mine, but. Um, I feel like we were we were somewhere there watching it, and that was um, that was a shock because there were quite a lot of Magic fans down there that night, and there were some very pissed off folks that we didn't get Oka for. And I think I remember at the time, um, I, I wasn't mad about it because I thought Dwight could be a physical monster, but it was just fascinating to just see how many people people were pissed off that we didn't draft Oka for. That's my uh, that's my favorite memory, and it's a it's a negative turned into a positive for me because I was one of those people, and you have to go back to that time and remember the absolute dominant run that that UConn team went went on, yeah, and also the Player of the Year like uh, shot blocking monster that Okafor was in college too. So I, I remember at the time just being not devastated, but but really like it was it was visceral rage pissed off the the face of the franchise was had braces 
<laughs> like, you yeah. know, just speaks to the to the youth and, and obviously turned out to be the clearly the right selection uh, for years to come. Um, so that that's my favorite draft memory. Uh, you know, I'm not a huge like draft guy. I the no, it's a, it's like a lottery ticket in a sense, right? Which is it's fun to hope for the best, but um, I also the the drafting of JJ Reddick was cool just because it's one of those things where you're like, it seems like a known commodity, which is hard to come by in the draft too, and, and that didn't necessarily pan out to be that way. It took a while for him to get going, um, but that was cool. Where it's like, okay, yeah, well, I like Duke basketball. Uh, obviously he's a, a, you know, household name, um, and seemed to be the perfect fit for the team that we were building with Dwight and Jameer. I remember people were really happy with the Reddick pick and yeah, it, it took a few years there. It took Stan kind of, kind of helping him out there. Uh, but yeah, that, that was interesting with the, with the Dwight pick. Like I distinctly, like you remember the you know, you remember the footage right where he where they the team released the footage of Dwight doing the private workout where he's like doing the the backboard, the, the backboard drill, yeah. yeah. And they didn't show that till right before the season started, I think it was, or maybe maybe it was after we drafted him, but it wasn't definitely wasn't going into the draft. It was it was after the draft, and I remember seeing that footage, and I'm like, Jesus Christ, this kid can jump out of out of a rooftop, and so. I think that quelled some worries a little bit there. And then once he started playing and actually getting stronger and stuff like that, yeah. I mean, we, we literally lived it. Like we watched it. We lived it. Like we grew up with Dwight basically. Um, the crazy thing too, if you, I mean, when you take it all the way back is John Weisbrod gets credit for, for like the ultimate credit for making that call. He does now. And I mean, he may, he was the final decision maker now, there was some Dave Twardzig help there too, uh, right. but uh, so the the fate of the franchise in the hands of a hockey guy makes the call on the number one pick that basically Dwight ends up taking us to the finals or Okafor has I back mean, issues and doesn't pay yeah, out. I mean, even like, though even though Okafor won Rookie of the Year, like he did, but but what you know the Bobcats essentially we could have been the Bobcats instead. Yeah, we could have. I mean, this franchise could be in Kansas City or St. Louis, you know, if Dwight, if we went with Okafor instead of Dwight, but we didn't have to worry about that. So, um, yeah. And then, I mean, people were so mad about us not picking Okafor too, because I mean, we we traded McGrady away. So there was already like a lot of furious people. Um, Anyway, all right, let's get to our draft here now. So it's this week, like the, whatever weight there was, it's, it's basically gone now. Um, It's, Thursday night, June 22nd is going to be the draft. We're going to be at the Amway Center watch party. That's going to be a slog to watch because it's going to take a while before we get through 6 and 11 there. But uh, hopefully we win some trivia prizes. But um, all right, I want to go through the top 14 picks. And I want to go through kind of what everybody's kind of thinking of because there's smoke screens galore from everybody. Um, Did you watch the Weltman presser this morning? It's okay if you didn't. But, yeah, I wasted 15 minutes of my life on the throwaways. Yeah, it seems like the one definitive thing that you could kind of parse out through there is that we're getting rid of pick 36. Like I feel like that he did not care much for 36, so uh, we're probably selling that for cash considerations or trading it for like future second round picks or something. But um, I will say he still 
even though like the players are talking about playoffs and even wise and uh yeah, wise Brock, even Wellman himself mentioned that uh playoffs are kind of on the mind here potentially but he kind of put the brakes on it a little bit today where he's talking about kind of how they're going through their process still like they're going through kind of a slow build because i mean we talk about the age that most either stars or kind of big time players win their first NBA title. Like it's usually around 27 and 28. Like even Aaron Gordon's like 27 years old. I think Jokic is 28. Like, um, but then you have us where our two best players are 21 and 20 years old and Franz and Paolo. And so, you know, is it possible to win titles in your early mid twenties? I guess, but historically it's really freaking hard to do that when your stars are that young. So, uh, it had me thinking that I, I'm not expecting any crazy trades from the Magic, but who knows? Maybe, maybe Jeff will really surprise me here. But um, let's just go down through this lottery here. So starting quickly at one with the Spurs. Look, obviously they're picking Victor Wembanyama. There shouldn't be any surprises there. Like I've seen Magic fans trying to trade for Devin Vassell. It's not happening. He's too highly valued by the Spurs, and he's not really a shooting guard. So he'd be a challenge to fit in as a starter. But um let me just go to Charlotte, unless you had any Spurs thoughts, Benny. That's a, that's a foregone conclusion. So, well, yeah, we'll go to Charlotte. So the draft already gets interesting at two here, because whether the Hornets keep the pick or not, I refuse to believe that Brandon Miller is being drafted ahead of Scoot Henderson. Um, I don't know. Do you agree or disagree, Penny? I'm not ready to make that call yet. And you saw the report that they're bringing both in for a second workout to be supervised by Michael Jordan, who has an excellent track record for making draft selections. Even though he's selling the majority of his stakes, which I mean, good for him. I think he's going to make like $3 billion off his stay of sale and he's still going to have a minority share of the team. But um, yeah, that's going to be interesting. Charlie could definitely screw this up, but maybe the new ownership that's about to come in, maybe they're really going to be the ones that have the final say. Maybe it works out better for them. But honestly, they they should pick Scoot, in my mind. If I was Charlotte, I, I would pick Scoot at two, and then I would trade LaMelo for Zion. And it'd be a clean slate for both players, uh, where you know LaMelo ball gets to play alongside guys like Brandon Ingram in uh, in New Orleans. And then you got Zion Williamson partnering up with, with, uh, with Scoot Henderson. And yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what Charlotte does because they, they could easily keep the pick. They could trade it. Who knows what, because there's new ownership syndrome. Look at what Phoenix is just doing now. Like Matt Ishbia bought the Suns and like he tried to go for it. And now he's doubling down on it with Bradley Beal. And it's like, uh, you know, have fun, that's, man. With that's, that. its, that's its own thing. They're talk about being painted into a corner. Uh, do you think that Zion gets moved? Uh, we'll say one on draft day or two during the off season. I actually think that's possible. I actually think he could be traded to either Charlotte or Portland, or I, I don't know. Would the Knicks be able to pull something? Who knows? But um, they, they seem to be fr- like done and frustrated with him. Be it weight issues, be it uh, personal decision frustration with him like there's hard to believe that his camp would sign off on going from new orleans to charlotte though that seems like a lateral move at best for his for his brand and career but i think he's but he i mean he's a carolina guy like he 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 lived or was born in south carolina north carolina and he's one of those guys where actually going home might not be a bad thing for him um 
I, he's one of the few guys where I think him going home would actually be okay. And he's not even 23 years old. That's the crazy thing is he's not 23 yet. He'll be 23 in like a week and a half, but um, this is the interesting draft where things really go. I mean, they can break any crazy direction starting at number two. Uh, I have a Twitter question for you from at Gorica 23. What would you give up to land the number two pick in Scoot Henderson? Or just what would you give up to land Scoot Henderson? Be it somehow he, he fall, he's at, you know, whether he's at two or if he somehow falls to three. The, uh, with I'll, me, I'll and I'll go first because again, okay. oh, you got it? You got it? Okay. I, yeah. I, I won't, my, the answer is subjective. If, if you're trying to acquire number two to get Scoot Henderson, you deem that he's the guy. So in order to get the guy, you trade everybody or everything, anything other than Franz and Paolo. Not how I feel about it, but if that's right. the route that you're going, that's what you that's what you give up to get what you want, right? I mean, am I wrong? No, you're not. I mean, look, I, I'm with you as far as I'm I'm not interested in trading up for Scoot, but if Jeff Weltman is, there's there's plenty of ways to do go about doing that. Like, um, and then the other question is, are you doing this with making Fultz either a backup or getting rid of him entirely? Or can you play Scoot and Fultz in a backcourt together? Which it's possible. I'm concerned about Scoot's height, but his wingspan makes up for it. Like he's got a really good wingspan, but um, I'm a Markel guy. I am way up there on the Markel Fultz kind of fan club. So I wouldn't do a scoot deal, but if you have any Fultz doubts, if you're, if you're Weltham and I mean, look, he's not, you know, he he's going to be making $17 million next season. I doubt we're waving him to save 15 million. Like I, you know, maybe, maybe we go for scoot. Maybe we do wave Fultz or get involved in a trade or something, but um, I, I'm a big Fultz guy. Like I, but if you're Weltman, and like you said, if you think Scoot is going to be a stud, then go for it. I mean this this might be this might be the guy. You know they've been keeping tabs on Scoot for years. You know, like every front office, and he's really good. He's going to be really good. I, you know, durability wise, like his he's already has a an NBA ready body. Like he's built stronger than Russell Westbrook was for sure when Westbrook came in the league. Um, to but he can actually shoot, question, but he can shoot. Yeah, go for yeah. it. I think, I mean, it, the offer starts at 6-11 Nuggets pick at least. I'm throwing Suggs in, and I would do, and because you got to make the money work, I guess. And I, yeah. I actually, I just, for semantics of this, I'm not doing this, but if you do this, I would do 6-11, the 2025 Denver pick, and Jalen Suggs for Scoot and book night because book night's been trouble for them and maybe he could use a different scene scene or you know place of scenery like there's not a lot of ways to make contracts really match up and i don't want to take on terry rogier or gordon hayward's contract but i don't know yeah. what do you have in mind i mean that's that's pretty much it or you suss out that they're going to go a different direction and make that deal at three and give up a little then it's kind of like a you can bridge that gap and kind of like the Trey Young, Luka Doncic, you know, five to three, six to three kind of deal where, um, I mean, obviously you're giving up 11 
and really the player doesn't really matter. It matters, but it doesn't matter if it's Cole, if it's Suggs, if it's Markel, because you're you're plugging in that guy to to start at point guard. Um, any final Charlotte thoughts before we get on to Portland? Steve Clifford's still there, so I don't know what he wants, but. I can't believe that he's still, honestly, I can't believe he survived and we'll see if he gets to October, but uh, I, despite having the number the number two pick, it's hard to not feel like Charlotte's still pretty fucked. Yeah, they're in a bad spot right now. Now, they can get out of it, but they're in a bad spot at the moment. All right, Portland at three. So Portland's got the third pick. I want to see Dame Lillard retire a blazer for that to happen. He needs help now. What did he do to you and your family for you to see that happen? I love poor. Like I like Portland as a city. I, I like like Lillard has so many historic memories with the blazers. That Portland team can be turned around. They can, they really can. Um, Who's going to do it. Is it a trade? Is it a draft pick? Who? It, it has to be a trade. Around? It has to be a trade. Like it. It looks. It looks like they're trading the third pick. But yeah. the appeal of that the appeal of that third pick drops a lot in my eyes if Scoot isn't on the board. Like no one is super thrilled about Brandon Miller. I don't think. Like it. It wouldn't even shock me if Miller slides past three. Like it wouldn't shock me if a Thompson twin or Whitmore gets picked above him. Um. But you know if. God, if if Scoot is available at three, like I could see the magic really going in and trying to get him then if they really freaking are tempted by him. Because, I mean, it's a similar it's, trade package in that draft regard. capital, right? Then it's yeah. draft capital going to Portland and then turning that around to but somebody they can, else. Well, which then you can go after, let's say, a Paul George for the Clippers. You know, Bradley yeah. Beal is gone from the Wizards. Like that, he was a rumor for Portland slightly there, but Lillard and Beal, I don't think would have worked together. But Paul George, Clippers, that that could be something right there potentially. But I mean, the Clippers are now supposedly going to end up with Chris Paul, so I guess they want to keep that Paul George Kawhi Leonard duo together and try and bring in Chris Paul to maybe make a run at it. Who knows? But. um yeah, like I said, it wouldn't shock me if Miller slides past three. Um, I mean, I, I don't think the Magic are going to trade up for Scoot. I don't want them to. Like I, But if you have any doubts about Mark Hill and Cole holding down the point guard position, then you got to explore it, obviously. I I like Mark Hill as a starting point guard. Um, my biggest nightmare right now is that Lillard forces his way to Miami, and it's actually looking pretty likely that's going to happen. It's like... I hate that Jimmy Butler ended up down there because I really like him as a player and like a personality, like the same would happen with Lillard where now I'd have to dislike him. And that's a nightmare situation where somebody could literally take on, you know, Tyler hero or Duncan Robinson money, and they would end up with Lillard as an upgrade over Kyle Lowry. And it's scary. It, that, that scares me for them to have Jimmy Lillard and bam, and then to see what they do pulling these guys from obscurity and developing them into into great rotation players at at a minimum like it's scary when you know cuz Spolster's an amazing coach and i think Pat Riley's 78 like he you know he's going to go for it he's got he's not wasting any time so um yeah i don't know any portland any little little thoughts penny I uh, I don't think he goes anywhere this this year. I think they run it back one more year. 
which means that pick's going to go somewhere. Uh, I don't know where, but I, I, I believe that they're going to acquire, they're going to take another shot at acquiring veteran help. Um, I don't know. Toronto seems to be getting their name thrown out there. Um, be Does it, Draymond Green end up in Portland somehow? I don't think so, man. Like, I think he's either going to even move the needle. I mean, he would help him a ton. And then even if you don't move Nurkic out, like if Nurkic is healthy, Nurkic is still good. He just hasn't been healthy. That's the problem. But um, I think Draymond Green either ends up in Dallas or with LeBron at in with the Lakers. Like I don't, I don't see I, any other two options. Like Phoenix can't afford him. So like it's, um, I think it's those two options for Draymond. I I really think the big the thing that would make sense would be for the Blazers to do a Clippers trade for Paul George and just go with it like that. Like I think there's some like regular season record wise is where they need the biggest help. Like they like if you get in the playoffs, then Lillard's gonna cook. He's gonna be a freaking amazing. You just need a guy like George to who is a great regular season player, not so much in the playoffs, but regular season wise, like you need to find a way to get into the top six and go from there. But um, we yeah, also that's... need him healthy to help you win games in the right. right. So, and... so it's tough all the way around, but yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's talk Houston at four. Uh, the Rockets are another team that might prefer to trade back or out uh, for veteran help to a company, a James Harden act, uh, signing. Um, or they just don't care about the Thompson twins or Whitmore at that point. But if, if Houston is confident they're getting James Harden, then, their backcourt is set with uh, with Jalen Green and Harden, and then I can see them trading back with us to six, so that they can address like a forward need and say like a hometown guy like Jarris Walker or something. But um, I don't know. Houston is a is a mess. It, is they might be a bigger mess than than Charlotte at the moment. Um, those are the two franchises that, that are by far the biggest mess in the league. I'd say, I, I don't know if I can come up with a bigger mess than Charlotte or, or Houston, but, um, do you think I, Harden yeah. goes back to Houston? I think he does. I don't I, like, I don't, I look, I'm not a Sixers fan, but for the sake of Philly fans, like I don't want them keeping Harden, but Daryl Morey's a stubborn bastard. Like he's going to try and fight. He, he has a love affair situation with Harden that he just does not want to give him up. But I mean, I think I, st- I do think Harden's going to end up in Houston. Like, but it seems like it's funny because the latest rumors make it seem like neither Houston or Philly wants to pay him that much. So he's trying to play one off the other and both might be turned off at the moment. So, um, yeah, Here's Houston here that I just unlocked, and I want your thoughts on this one because we'll we'll get to six in a minute, obviously. But yeah. there's a there's a there's a non-zero chance that the Magic take a Thompson twin and a presumably also uh, who will be available. There's also a non-zero chance that Houston takes Amon Thompson at four. Does right. the other twin become less attractive if the other twin? is in the Houston environment. And I mean that not the city, well, maybe the city, but I mean that the culture and current organization of the Houston Rocket team. Does that have any impact at all? Because to me, it kind of does. Oh, man. Um, There's some bad habits. I, I, specifically, yeah. 
I'm not a, I'm not a Jalen Green guy at all. No, me and neither. Like they've given him the keys there to kind of you know impact culture, and whoever comes in is going to look up to him uh, and be under his wing. And that hasn't that that does that sounds like a disaster waiting to happen. But we'll we'll see with that. Um, yeah, I'm not a Jalen Green guy. Uh, I wasn't before he was drafted. I'm not now. And uh, yeah, Houston's a mess. Um, we'll talk about trading up here in a sec in a bit when we get to us at six. But Detroit's at five. Uh, there's no secret. I am very high in Cam Whitmore. I am very worried that the Pistons are going to end up with a Whitmore Ivy. Cade Cunningham backcourt and that's got some promise with Monty Williams running the show now in Detroit and they just got to figure out which one of the 50 big guys they want to commit to right and I mean hey look James White James Wiseman was pretty good after after they got him and if he can improve even more during in the offseason going into next season like he's gonna be the starting center no doubt and then they still got guys like Stewart and um, oh gosh, who else they got? I forget now off the top of my head, but they, yeah, yeah, they got Jalen Duran, and uh, yeah, it's they've I think they've got a couple vets too, um, still there. That it's it's a very uh, clustered, crowded uh, center spot right now. So, um, but Detroit worries me because if whoever they pick, be it a Whitmore or Thompson twin, like if they hit, then they're in a pretty good position moving forward. Cause you have basically your small forward through point guard position, just down pat. You're, you're, you're good to go with Ivy Cade. And then whoever you get, be it whether it's Whitmore or somebody else, like you, you have it set. And if you've, you've seems like they've got, a pretty solid coach in Monty Williams in place. Now it's just all about kind of building them up. Although, you know, here's my controversial opinion. Like I don't see that big of an upgrade of Monty Williams over Dwayne Casey. Like I thought Dwayne Casey was doing a pretty good job and it just didn't, didn't work out, but I don't see that big of an upgrade going from Dwayne Casey to, to Monty Williams, but I guess we're going to find out Uh Pistons thoughts, Benny. Here's my devil's advocate. Cause I, I see Let's go. your concern about, the Pistons building something that is complementary and cohesive. But I would argue uh, I, the Magic, if they hit their pick, they could potentially be building something both comprehensive and cohesive too. And I, oh, yeah. I think man-to-man, like position oh, we're still position, better. I, don't, I have no I, doubt we're still better. I yeah, I don't see a threat there um, necessarily. It it's because uh, we're gonna be tied with we're gonna be tied with Detroit like for a while now with our rebuilds and just how how the drafts have kind of panned out and stuff. Even though Detroit technically started their rebuild before ours, but um, and they might have a better record. But I'm I'm talking like overall. an individual matchup or you know potential yeah. playoff matchup down the road if things shake out. Uh, I I don't I don't have a fear there, right right or wrong, but not yet. Fair enough. I. It, Kate Cunningham getting hurt and then sitting out that long. I think people kind of forget how good this guy's going to be. Um, but we're going to find out, I guess we'll see how he, he heals up, but all right, let's get to us at six. So the magic have, uh, have not allowed the media to interview any players that we've worked out. And so far, you know, no, no media outlet seems to have a clue what we're doing. Um, 
if Cam Whitmore's there at six, take the gift and draft him. That's my viewpoint. I still feel like we're trading six and eleven uh for four or five to get Cam. That's that's where that's what I would do, and that's what I feel like is the most logical thing to do. Like I I value Cam Whitmore that highly. And if you got to trade up to get him, I'm willing to do six and eleven for him. There's folks saying that we don't need to take another big swing at at, at this draft. I disagree. This franchise still isn't attractive yet, the free agents, because of, I think, mostly ownership. But uh, So then that leaves trades in the draft. And this should be the last time we're in the top 10 of a draft for a very long time. So take the swing. Like Cam Whitmore, he's got insane athleticism. He can shoot. People say he can't. He can shoot. He has star potential probably more than any guy other than Wembenyama and Scoot. And you know, Cam Whitmore, he passes the Paul Porter name test. Like he reminds mm-hmm. me of Anthony Edwards on the floor. And like I said, like other than women, Yama and Scoot, like he's got the most upside, I think, uh, af- after them. And so Cam's aggression, the way he plays, like it cannot be taught. And Paolo and Franz can be a great one-two duo, but why limit yourself to that when you can have, for example, Paolo, Cam, and Franz, you know, Franz being the third guy, like a coup coach or Detlef shrimp type role. Like the best way to build a title winner is still through the draft. I think that definitely applies the most to the magic right now. Magic fans think because Osar Thompson withdrew from the Pacers workout. It means that Orlando gave him a promise at six. I hope not. I do not want a Thompson twin. And, you know, I, I still have the theory that Waltham don't like drafting local guys. So we're going to see how tested that, you know, how much that gets tested with Taylor Hendricks, but I'm big on Cam Whitmore at six, uh, even more than maybe ever. And people are like, well, he doesn't pass. Well, he didn't pass because he was on a very bad Villanova team. Like in any other situation that I've seen him play and be at FIBA ball or whatever, like he can pass if there's talent around him, he can pass the ball. So I don't know. What's your viewpoint at six Penny? Uh, my my viewpoint at six is also my viewpoint for the entire draft, which has changed a little bit since our last podcast. I still think that it's going to be Osser Thompson at six. Mm. Um, and just reading the tea leaves, it kind of seems like, uh, again, going back to the Weltman media availability uh, and kind of having a pathway to success. Uh, and making sure that there are no roadblocks in that pathway in Orlando for young players. Um, I think 11 and 36 get moved, and I think that we're taking the swing with a Thompson twin only. I'm not sold on Whitmore. Um, I don't know anything about the draft. I don't have a good track record. I should attend the Michael Jordan second round watch party for uh, <laughs> for Scoot and, uh, and, and uh, Brandon, but I I'm, I'm not sold on, on Whitmore like you are. I mean, Cam Whitmore's two years younger than, than the Thompson twins, basically. So, and like the Thompson twins, they're the first real big kind of guinea pigs for the overtime elite league. I'm, I'm not sold on that competition. I don't think either guy can really shoot the ball that well. Um, I think Whitmore can be phenomenal. I like, People talk about the Thompson twins, how great gifted they are athletically and like about their defense. I don't need that. I need a guy who can score or I need a guy that can shoot the ball. And neither Thompson twin to me is really that capable of doing it right now. Um, so I'll leave it at that. I don't disagree yeah. with you on those points either. I just, yeah. That's just, that's my, uh, 
prognostication here. All right, let's go to Indiana at seven. So they've got Tyrese Halliburton and Benedict Matherin, and it feels like they're a prime Jairus Walker, Taylor Hendricks candidate because they need kind of some forward help, I feel like. Um, and they might finally get rid of Miles Turner as well. But Penny, uh, any thoughts on Indiana? I uh, have an inkling here that I would bet the house on Taylor Hendricks going to Indiana. I think you're right on the money there. Mm-hmm. Wizards at eight. Uh, Josh Robbins has been busy, that's for sure, covering this team. So they've got the new front office. They just traded Beal away. Well, it's not official, but they're trading Beal away for pennies to the Suns because of Beal's no trade clause and his agent is the son of uh, somebody on the Suns organization, the Bartlesteins. So um, I think it's Bartlesteins, but I, I don't think uh, Beal is anywhere near worth that contract, but to not even get DeAndre Aiden back is weird in my mind. Even if Beal again and his agent have had all that power, like, I feel like if David Stern was alive, he would veto this trade if if they didn't include DeAndre Aiden. But um, we'll see how this plays out. You know, it, it looks like it's basically done. It just needs to be announced at this point. But um, I could see the Wizards trading up from eight to our pick at six. Like if, say, we like Taylor Hendricks more than some of the other guys, be it Whitmore or Black, um, you know, I could see us trading back from six to eight, uh, and we take them at eight. Like if the Wizards stay at eight, they or the Jazz at nine seem like a prime Anthony Black selection. You know, Black scares me. Like he reminds me of kind of a taller Alfred Payton, except the shooting might be worse than Alfred even. Mm-hmm. But um, the story in the background for Anthony Black kind of mirrors what Jeff Weltman likes in these types of prospects. So it really wouldn't shock me if we end up with Anthony black, but um, yeah, that's, those are kind of my wizards thoughts. Like if, if the front office doesn't like Whitmore, then cool. Trade back two spots and get Taylor Hendricks. If you know, the Pacers aren't getting him at seven. Um, I don't know. What are your wizards thoughts? Um, just interesting with the new regime getting up to speed quickly over there. So you source the you know history uh, reference material uh we did make a clippers trade for the rights to jason preston or you know the pick that became jason preston so there's some past history there and it, you know could be a destination uh could be a potential trade partner depending on where weltman brackets certain value i think you're right but the Wizards seem to be tearing it down. Like it looks like they're going to lose Kyle Kuzma to free agency. Um, Porzingis has got to go, right? Porzingis is probably getting traded somewhere. I I have a question for you. What's your Kristaps Porzingis interest? Oh. <laughs> Just straight up no, like without even I, giving well, like any. If you're acquiring him, then you've got to do you got to give him more years and more money, like on the back end. So I I don't know. He had a great year last year. We talked about that. He was phenomenal. He killed us. He fucking killed us. Um, and he's you have interest. He's not even 28 years old. So he picked up his option, right? I think he picked up his player option. And maybe or maybe not. Maybe he's it's rumored that he's gonna pick it up, but there's 36 million dollars left on this final year coming up here. 23, 24, 36 million dollars. He's about to be 28 years old. The Magic are looking for a backup center. Um, and you're going to plug him in as the, and he's going to like that. Uh, look, man, I'm, 
if you have the conversation with them and you're like, look, you're going to still end up getting 25 minutes a night at a minimum. You might even be able to get 30, depending on how you spread it out. But you're going to get the minutes. You're going to start when Wendell misses his 20 games that he usually will miss for a season. And you're going to be on a pretty great team that with him on it, it makes us a play like a team that could make the playoffs for sure at that point. If you have Porzingis as your backup center, I'm not promising a long-term contract with him. You know, we'll see how the year plays out, but you know, I, I haven't done the trade machine thing. I, I, I haven't, but if there's a way that you can do Isaac's contract, um, Gary Harris's contract, which gets you to 30 million right there. And you just need like six more or, you know, a few more. So then you can throw in like Chuma. I would do that to trade back two spots to go from six to eight where I'm like, I'm taking on Porzingis. I'm giving you six, go draft Anthony black. Um, hell I'll give, I'll even give him the, the, well, yeah, or no, I'm not giving him anything more than that, but that's, that's my thinking with that is, If you can get Porzingis to buy into being a 25, 30 minute guy off the bench, it's intriguing. Now, I don't think it's going to happen because I don't think the Wizards want to help out a division rival because I do I, think that matters. If Porzingis but... or Brooke Lopez play a combined more than two games off the bench in the upcoming season, I will give you 10 American dollars for any team. Any team for any reason. All right. I'll hold you to that, I guess. But, um, I, I I just think it's possible, but you're right. I mean, Porzingis, look, he's technically going to be in the prime of his career, 28. Like, he he played well for the Wizards overall. Now, some people, depending on which time frame, which games they saw of him, he actually didn't play that great, but he killed the Magic all, every, all the time. And if you add him to this team, like, we're, we're a top six seed, I feel like. I, I don't know what else we're doing, be it draft or free agency or any of that. But, like, if you add in Porzingis, like, we, we're we in the playoffs. We're, we're a top six team. But, um, and I just thought of that now off the cup. So, I, I, I you know, we'll see how that plays out. But A very um, quick question. Obviously, we started yeah, let's go. last year 5-20 and 20 and then had a, you know, basically 500 record, essentially, the rest of the year. A little over. Yeah, a little over. Do you consider our current roster with internal improvement to be a 500 roster? Are you projecting 500 basketball going into next season? Are we talk, Am I counting these draft well, picks if we keep the draft picks? We, whatever we have now and whatever we add, not counting free agency, including the draft. Are we 41 and 41 in your head? I... Hmm. I feel like we need to add a veteran somehow, be it Porzingis. A, like, I'm willing to do like the the Jeff Green special for Brooke Lopez, where like I'll give you two years, forty five million, dude. But I, I don't so think as, he's as presently constructed. You don't think we're a five hundred team, but I you th- think you think Porzingis would take us to get like a, a assured top six seed. Yes, I think I because look, you can be under five hundred and still be an eight seed. Am I wrong? Right. Yep, so, you're right. Yeah. Um, you we need we need veteran help, like because our only vets are literally Gary Harris and Michael Carter Williams. Like that's that's it right now. And MCW I, I, could be out the door. Gary could be out the door. Yeah, you're typically a the a rosier outlook than me. Uh, so I'm surprised that you don't think we're 500. I don't think we're. I think that we need 
outside help outside of the draft ad, whatever yeah. it ends up being, to lock ourselves into a 40-plus win season next year, despite like, internal improvement. We're so freaking young that it's really tough to see just internal improvements, like helping, like, and it might work out. Suggs could be, like, Suggs has a fully healthy offseason, finally. Yeah. And it looks like, like he's already building his body up to be ready to withstand all that NBA punishment already. And Jonathan Isaac, he's, he's floating out there. Like if we're keeping him, if he plays 50, 60 games like that, that changes a lot. I now, you know, so. Speaking of Jonathan Isaac, here's my question for you with Utah at nine uh, mm -hmm. is nine too early for a white player to go off the board. You know, the answer is no, right? <laughs> Look, it's Utah, I mean, right? I mean, they can conceivably find a way to take Grady Dick at nine. Yeah. And, and not, there would be no reason to bat an eye at that, right? I mean, if they think he could be like a Gordon Hayward, then I don't see why not. Um, hell, even if they think he's Kyle Korver, I, I, I don't think ta them taking him nine is ridiculous. Now, look, if the Magic don't like Whitmore... I'm fine with trading six and trading back for nine and 16 and taking Hendricks at nine if he's there. But if he's not, if I, if I can't get Hendricks at nine, I don't want to trade back. Who's to say that Weltham don't stay young and take and do, do that type of trade and say you take Hendricks at nine, Bilal Kulabali at 11, and then Jordan Hawkins or Derek Lively at 16 and you sell 36. Like we're going to have the available roster spots and then, you can still have the free agency money to sign a veteran still, but like the way Weltman's talking, like he's doing a good job really keeping things vague and really smoke screening, but it would not stun me if the magic somehow end up drafting three guys and keeping them all. It really wouldn't like people compl are completely ruling that out. I think it would be a mistake, but the way this regime kind of thinks and they look at talent and building and stuff like that, I don't think it's ridiculous to think that's a possibility. Now I hope it doesn't happen, but I, I, I can't rule that out, but I could see a situation though, where the magic trade back for nine and 16 and then they trade, you know, they only pick at nine and trade 11 and 16 to get veteran help, you know, but um, I don't know. What's your Utah thoughts beyond, beyond what you said before, if any. I, I, I just can't see a world where they don't end up with Grady Dick. You what 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 what's your viewpoint on Grady Dick? Because I I'm not a Grady Dick guy. I'm not. I, um, I'm I, just not. I mean, I'm I'm turning into well, no, I've been an old curmudgeon for a long time. So all of the extra bothers me, but that's just the way it is. So that's the negative for me, but not for everyone else who cares, right? So um, I I just think it makes sense there that they'll. Danny Ainge is going to continue to stock white talent in Utah. Yeah. It, it's interesting. Cause it seems like Grady is slipping. Like he could easily go past 12 and keep and fall to like 14 or 13. Like it could happen. Cause before people were like, Oh, Grady Dick could go six or seven. And it's just like people really pumped the, the brakes. The on interesting that. thing is that a month ago, he was the best shooter in the class. And now you see increasingly report and information that that I'm obviously still a, a you know talented shooter, but 
Uh, others are seem to be closing the gap somehow with no games played. <laughs> All right, let's talk Dallas at ten. They're trying to deal the pick to get Luca help, like, but who is a guy teams want to trade up for at ten to get? Like, could a Thompson twin somehow fall to ten? I doubt it. Is this where Bilal Koulibaly would go? And does somebody want to trade up for him? Um, it was funny because I saw. There was that rumor of like Detroit trading Boyan Bogdanovich to Dallas for 10. And I'm like, 10's worth more than that. Um, but then at that point, again, I'm thinking, okay, well, who would you trade up for to get at 10? And maybe you do it if it's Hendricks or Jarris Walker there, maybe, I guess, if one of those two slip there. Somebody's going to slip and fall. Like it's going to happen. Like the draft is a, the draft talent ends at about 12 like the really, really high level talent. Um, unless, you know, Kobe Bufkin somehow or Jet Howard somehow comes out of nowhere and like the magic end up taking him 11, you know, then we'll, you know, we'll talk about that in a bit, but um, it doesn't feel like Dallas is keeping this pick. I, I don't know what that does for their leverage when people know like, Hey, you got to help Luca now. Like, unless they're really high on a guy like Jairus Walker or Hendricks and they're hoping one of those two fall, fall down to them. Um, yeah, I, it it's going to be fascinating to see what Dallas gets for that tenth pick. What are your thoughts? I, I I don't think that they could do much better than like a Bogdanovich, and that'd probably be a coup for them. And quite frankly, uh, the the pathway to tank into trying to keep the pick and to end up at ten, whatever they decide to do, they should be punished for it with the outcome. All right, it's us again at eleven. I've already talked about it, but if we, if we can somehow come out of this draft night and it will probably require a bit of trade maneuvering, but if we can somehow come out of this draft night with both Cam Whitmore and Taylor Hendricks, that's pretty great. I'm really happy, but watch us end up with Anthony Black and Kobe Bufkin. Like that's, that, that's going to end up being my prediction of how this draft goes. But um, I don't think we're taking Grady Dick. I think Jordan Hawkins is actually more likely in that instance, if we're going shooter. Um, and I mean, he, he proved it with the Yukon run, how good he can be. And he's not just a shooter. Like there's some de- there's some real good defensive elements to him. Like the biggest weakness with him is he's slight. He's, he's, he's not like the strongest guy, but when, so was Steph Curry and that turned out pretty good. And Yukon was running Hawkins off the ball a ton. Now, obviously, you know, you can't compare the two, but um, it's just something to think about. I'd be fine with Derek Lively at 11 if you think he's more of a Tyson Chandler type than, say, Jackson Hayes because the cheap backup free agent center market options are not great. And Paolo and Wendell know Lively from watching him at Duke and stuff. And, um, yeah, I don't know. What are your thoughts on 11, Penny? Is there somebody I haven't mentioned that piques your interest? or, or... No, I, I like Hawkins in this area, but I got to tell you, and as I said earlier, I, I don't think we'll, we'll be making a pick here at 11. And quite frankly, if we're at the draft party uh, and they decide to, to pull out either right before 11 or after 11, uh, where they make the selection and then trade it away, uh, for future considerations, I will be livid that we sat there for another 80 minutes. Yeah, that wouldn't be great. Um, it's it's possible. Like we we could end we could end up being there past 10, 10 o'clock because I think yeah, draft actually starts at eight. 
I know they opened the doors of the arena at like 6.30 or 7, whatever you can get in. But, um, you know, the first round blast away is in. I mean, it, it, it'll it be around, I think, 10 o'clock when that 11th pick gets made. Maybe sooner than that. Maybe I get my I got my timing wrong. But, um, yeah, that's going to be disappointing for the folks that stick around uh, if that happens. And I do want to mentally prepare folks, you know, that that could happen. We could end up doing, you know, picking somebody 11 and it's like, Oh, we actually traded the pick go home. But, um, all right. Uh, Oklahoma city at 12. It feels like Bilal Koulibaly is going to end up either on the magic or the Oklahoma city thunder and maybe the Toronto Raptors, but it, it's, that feels like the situation with them. Like they, you know, they snuck in, they made it into the plan. Um, and they did it without Chet Holmgren. We'll see where OKC is uh, this upcoming season. Maybe they actually take a step back. Who knows? We're, we're going to find out. Depends on a lot of roster moves that they make. Uh, any OKC thoughts? I don't, I don't have anything more for them. I, just the, I think they've come to grips with the fact that they have too many picks. So it'll be interesting to see what they do, probably starting Thursday to try and start trending the other direction there. All right, the Toronto Raptors at 13. They hired Darko Ryakovich to be their head coach. I'm assuming that means that they're tanking, but no one still knows for certain. But it's interesting because the Wizards kind of beat them to the tanking punch. Um, like they're the ones that have that are sending guys out and they're the ones that are like bringing in contracts for in exchange for draft picks. And I feel Toronto definitely missed the boat on that. Um the Raptors, they need to trade up in this draft, it feels like. Uh I'm still more than fine with dealing six and Gary Harris for OG Ananobi. Like I would love that trade. Um, whether that's feasible or enough, like if you get Ananobi in, then you've got your starting shooting guard and, you know, then you could still pick somebody at 11 if you wanted to. Um, but it's, yeah, I, I'm still big on Ananobi again, though. It's tough to pull off because he, he can't sign he's not signing an extension and he's going to be a free agent next season so i i just don't see that feasibly possible cuz you would literally have to do that handshake agreement and yeah i don't know how feasible that is uh any raptor thoughts penny yeah i, I i'm there with you we've had a successful handshake agreement in the past with Horace Grant uh maybe we could pull it off again good um Still still not a fan of Fred Van Vliet coming here, right? No. All right, same. All right, Pelicans at 14 to round off the lottery here. So it feels like they want to trade this pick. Um, they're in trouble at the moment. Like Zion is having personal issues. CJ McCollum, they may want to move on from now. Like they can do a quick rebuild around Brandon Ingram, like Trey Murphy the third. Like there's a couple other guys there. Like if they if they choose to and Again, oh, Herb Jones as well. They got Herb Jones. So, like, you can do a, a rebuild around those guys. But, again, I think they should trade Zion for LaMelo Ball, and it's not a bad move in my eyes. But, uh, yeah, w Willie Green's in a weird spot with the Pelicans right now. If the Magic reshuffle the, the deck for backcourt and, and make some different moves, would you try and pry uh, Alvarado away as a backup? I don't know how you'd pull that off, but, I mean – I don't know. Are you keeping Cole? Are you keeping Are you keeping Markel and Cole, or do you think Cole is is going to want too much money for us to want to retain him? 
Uh, if you're assuming, like, let's assume we make a trade for like a scoot or something, or both of those guys, like Markel and Cole are gone. Oh, okay. Do you, do you like Alvarado off the bench? Yeah, Scoop's uh, Scoot uh, Henderson's backup. Yeah, I definitely. I mean, look, the the guy is as close to a Daryl Armstrong reincarnated as you can. Well, he's not dead, but a a, a modernized Daryl Armstrong as you can get with uh with Jose Alvarado. So it's yep. uh. I I'd be a fan of it. I just I don't I don't think like I, I the Pelicans would be crazy to want to give them up that easily. Like everybody loves them there, and yeah, I, I'd be surprised. But all right, uh, I have another Twitter question for you, Penny. So this one is from Daniel Mordenson the third. Uh, what is your official prediction on who we draft? That that's that's just the question, and I'll go first. But look, I, I already I already said it because. Weltham, they like to make me unhappy and do stuff that I wouldn't do. So I literally think we're, my prediction is we end up with Anthony Black and Kobe Bufkin, and we'll sell pick 36. That's my prediction. And you know I'll be in a surly mood if that comes true, but that's my prediction. Um, again, I just want to find a way to end up with Cam Whitmore and then one of Hendricks, Koulibaly, Hawkins, or Lively, and I'm happy. But um, – I'm more than happy. I'm thrilled at that point, but um, yeah, that's, that's where I'm at. I don't know if you, I, did your prediction change at all from last pod or what were you thinking? Yeah. I'm, I, uh, my official final prediction is Oscar Thompson at six, mm. 11 gets moved, 36 gets moved. And my hope is that not just for cash on 36, we need to get a couple of sec future second rounders back to, to give up the, those those early second round picks, I feel like you know we're we're lining the Super coffers, valuable. but we're yeah we're not getting capital back in return that we need for you know future uh, maneuvering. Okay, um, from a free agent rumor perspective, look again, Van Bleet's names out there. We don't want them. Gary Trent Jr., Grant Williams, Nas Reed, Mason Plumley have been floating out there. Any interest in any of those guys? Um, you know I like a Grant Williams, and you hate a Grant Williams. But beyond that, no, nobody on that list really. Uh, I, I'm not. I don't think Gary Trent Jr. is the guy for the squad. No, I look as a back as as a guy to build your bench up as like a 25 minute night a guy off the bench. Like great, but I I don't want to have him as our starter. Like I feel like Suggs would be better than him um, long term. So. Uh, what about Max Juice from Miami? Um, I don't know even what the price tag would be. Some say basically like the mid-level exception, so around like eleven, twelve million would be would be good for him. But I, I'm not interested. Like I, I just feel like these Miami guys just they work better in Miami, and I, I'm not interested. Like Grant Williams, you could probably get him on a decent deal from Boston because it doesn't seem like too many people want him. But I feel like Grant Williams is going to end up in like Sacramento or something on like more of an actual contender than we are right now. Yeah, uh, Max Struess, I could take or leave. Uh, I I assume that if we sign him, that we will get thirty four percent three point shooting Max <laughs> Struess and yeah. not light it up Max Struess. So that would suck. Yeah, that's that's how that's going to work. Um, that's how any former heat get player that we bring in uh, works other than Brian Shaw, but, uh, and I guess Ronnie cycling, Ronnie cycling counts. So, um, all right. 
Matt, I mean, because look, all these free agent rumors exist. And again, because the magic have cap flexibility and all that and picks like they're being tied to all these guys, but magic fans are also in just such a big hurry to spend our free agency money. And that could lead to 2016 mistakes. You know, just, I don't want to repeat 2016. Like it's okay to say no to all these free agents. Like we, we really need, you know, minimum to bring in one legit veteran added in and, it might require a short-term overpay. We're going to see how that pans out. You know, I'd, I'd love to have Brooke Lopez here. I just, he's probably going to want to be more on a contender, but who knows? Um, we'll see with that. And look, teams around the league, they seem to know that this new CBA that kicks in in July is going to just eliminate the possibility of having a big three on one team. And so there could be a ton of draft night movement with teams trading in and out of the lottery. There's already moves happening, so it could be a hell of a week, even going into that Thursday night draft. You know, the Suns, with this Beal trade, are testing that theory hard, like really hardcore. They're they're burning through that second apron, like ridiculously, and going for it. So maybe it'll work. Maybe they'll they'll crash and burn. I'm willing to bet Phoenix crashes and burns, but we'll see. Um, Frank Vogel's got uh, quite the job on his hands with that team, but... Hopefully it's going to be a great draft night, just experience wise, pick wise. Hopefully we win some trivia. I hope to see a lot of folks at Amway Center for the for this draft party. Any final thoughts before we get out of here, Penny? Uh, yeah, we'll see you out there Thursday night, and uh, look for Adam's name on the uh, jumbotron winning trivia again. Yeah, hopefully uh, there's some good prizes at stake. So that'll do it for this episode. If you're still listening, we thank you very much for your time, subscriptions, high ratings positive comments all help this podcast ranking immensely tweet us any of your questions and feedback penny what's your twitter handle at spencer strode no c's just s's and i'm at papa giorgio mbo and with that take care let's go magic